Welcome to the weekly podcast channel for the Wilmington Church of Christ. We hope that this channel inspires and encourages you to take the gospel to all people, transforms hearts to be like Christ, and trains disciples to make disciples. For more information about our church, please go to wcconline.org. Enjoy the message. A preacher and a priest stood on a curve in the road, and they both held signs. One sign said, the end is near. And the other sign said, turn around before it's too late. This good old boy in a truck drove by, rolled down his window, rolled his eyes and yelled, idiots! And he just kept on driving. And a couple of seconds later, there was this horrendous crash, screeching of tires and a big splash. The preacher turned to the priest and he said, that's the fourth one today. You think we ought to change our signs to the bridge is out? Yeah, I know, that's a terrible joke. But I bet some of you laughed or chuckled at home. In Jonah chapter 3, what we're studying together today, Jonah is given a message of doom from God to go and preach to the city of Nineveh Nineveh, that their end is near. Here's the message God gave Jonah in Jonah chapter 3 verse 4. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown which is eerily similar to the message we keep getting from our government officials, 30 more days of self-isolation. If you had to give an urgent message of danger to people around you, how would you do it? Would you call? Would you post on Instagram? Would you make a sign? And one question I think we all need to ask ourselves is this, does God still want us to proclaim His message to the world? I think Jonah chapter 3 gives us a good starting point to answer those questions. Turn your Bibles to Jonah chapter 3, and we'll take a look at what God is telling us to do. You know, next week is our Easter celebration where we focus our attention solely on the resurrection of Christ. So we'll wrap up the Jonah series today by covering, um, if we have time, chapters 3 and chapters 4. And if we don't have time, we'll just stay in chapter 3. Chapter 3 answers our questions we just mentioned, and chapter 4 actually takes us to a new question, but doesn't give us the answer. I find that fascinating. Or at least it doesn't give an answer we're going to like. But here's where we're going to go today. We're going to see in chapter 3 that God wants every Christian to be His instrument for change by proclaiming two messages. The message of ruin and the message of rescue. There are two messages that God wants us to give others. The message of ruin and the message of rescue. Remember, in chapter 1, Jonah received a direct command from God, Go and preach against the city of Nineveh. And Jonah responded by running away from God as far as he could go. But you can't escape God. And God pursued Jonah with a great storm and a big fish. And it was there in isolation that Jonah repented and recommitted to his calling to be God's prophet. Now, in chapter 3, we find Jonah humbled before God and obedient to go. In chapter 3, Jonah starts with this message of ruin. Let's read uh, the first couple of verses together. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. God's message to Nineveh was 
not for any one people group. And it wasn't directed at any particular age. It was intense, emotional, and urgent. Forty more days and Nineveh would be no more. The New Living Translation says, Forty more days and the Nineveh will be destroyed. This was God's urgent call to repentance because the evil of Nineveh had finally reached the limit of God's patience. According to one scholar, the Assyrian kings were proud of their cruel and terrible reputation and went to great trouble and expense to record their exploits so other people would know how evil they were. Cruelty at the hands of the Assyrians included things like torture, dismemberment, and the pain and shame of their victims. This was an evil nation whose main source of power came from how much pain and death they could inflict on other people's groups. This is how they ruled as well. They ruled through death. Some people have even reported that the idea of crucifying someone as a torture device came from the Assyrians. The Babylonians later adopted the method, and then much later at the time of Jesus, the Romans had perfected it. And despite their reputation as a sinful and wicked city, God still considered them worthy of his message of grace. You know, we don't think the message of ruin is a message of grace, but it really can be. Imagine if doctors were discovered that you had a curable cancer. Would you want them to tell you you had cancer? Would you, or would you want them to remain silent? If you were in a house that was on fire, would you want someone to tell you your house is on fire or would you want them to stay quiet? Of course, we all know the answer. No one wants to get the news that they have cancer. And no one would enjoy the news that the house is on fire. But these messages of ruin are actually a grace. When God gives us a message of ruin, it's actually a grace from Him too. Because now there's time for change and rescue. God has a similar message that Jonah preached to Nineveh, and it's a message of ruin, but it's for everyone. It's not a particular people group, it's not an age group, but it's urgent and emotional. And this message of grace, knowing the message of ruin, gives us time to change, to repent, and turn to God. Here's God's message to everyone. It's this. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a terrible message to hear, and it's extremely uncomfortable. I don't even like to be told I'm wrong, much less a sinner. I had a great video chat with a couple of our students two weeks ago about being baptized. There was a teenager and her sister and the mom, and we were all on the computer talking about what it means to be immersed into Christ. And when we got to the part in our discussion from Acts chapter 2, where Peter commands all the Israelites, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I asked one of the uh, daughters, have you ever sinned? And that word was something she was a little unfamiliar with. And so we, we got to talk about sin. And this is where we have to take a really honest look at our lives. Scripture says everyone has sinned. That passage from Romans that we just read is all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If this is true, then we're in trouble because God says in that message of ruin that the wages of sin, what we get paid for sin, the justice that God gives out for our sin is death. In Isaiah 
the prophet Isaiah describes um, evil people like this. The expression on their faces testifies against them. And like Sodom, they flaunt their sin. They do not conceal it. And woe to them, for they brought disaster upon themselves. That's Isaiah 3.9. Jesus said it this way, The sinners will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Death, disaster, destruction, eternal punishment, these are the messages of ruin for anyone who has ever sinned. Have you ever sinned? Have you ever taken away, have you ever taken anything that didn't belong to you, no matter how small it is? Or have you ever said something that hurt someone's feelings? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Have you ever disobeyed God? You don't have to be the evil like the king of Nineveh, dismembering your enemy, to fall on the side of the line of sin. Most people are not as evil as they could be, but being good most of the time is not the same thing as being free of sin. And if we honestly examine our hearts, we'll find greater evil there than we have ever really considered about ourselves. There's another warning from God out of Romans describing our condition. See if it describes you too. Here's the verse. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things are worthy of death, they not only continue to do those things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Romans chapter 1. How did the people of Nineveh respond to Jonah's message? Let's go back to chapter 3 and see. We'll start with verse 5, and we'll see if this message and response is the same as our response when we find out that we have sinned as well. Here's verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them from greatest to least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. A government, imagine a government official telling his citizens what to do. Here's what he said. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows, God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. You know, I think some of our officials and some of our leaders have called us to turn urgently and quickly to God to seek out His grace and healing for our land recently. This is not a new thing. If you go all the way back to the prophet of Jonah, we have leaders in position who believe the message of God and then call people to act upon that message. In Jonah's day, they believed God. And Jonah's message wasn't long and it wasn't eloquent, but his message was from God. And anytime we use the Word of God, we are giving people a living, active Word, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When we give the message of ruin, it's uncomfortable, but it is the Word of the God. And the Holy Spirit comes alongside the Word of God and allows our eyes to be open spiritually, and that leads to change. Evan Roberts was a 26-year-old man who didn't have much of a theological education or training, but he began to give people the message of the Lord from Scripture in his hometown in South Wales in 1904. 
The meetings he gave, here's what it said happened. The people there had conviction of sin. They publicly confessed Christ. And these powerful emotions of joy and laughter and spontaneous singing and prayer came over them. They had this strong awareness of God. People from all over began to join these these meetings and there was this awakening in that community and it spread to the towns around and within one year approximately 150,000 people were converted to Jesus Christ. Family feuds were healed, the courts and jails were emptied, and liquor sales all but stopped as people turned to Christ for their comfort instead of liquor. And their peace and their joy doubled. The youth of the area were more interested in seeking the presence of God than in any other activity. This phrase, bend the church and save the people, became the slogan of revival. And that word revival, I'm not talking about a planned worship service where there's preaching and prayer and a hymn singing to uh, kind of invigorate the religious commitment of the church. I'm talking about an awakening an awakening that happens when that those who are dead in their sin are made alive by the Word of God and His Spirit. Like what happened in the city of Nineveh. What happened in South Wales in 1904. Why couldn't God do that again through us? If God were going to put us into a position to reach as many people as possible with His message, what circumstances do you think He could provide us with where everybody could hear and see the same message? Doesn't it seem strange that social isolation might be the spark of the next great awakening? What if God is beginning to start an awakening in our community because He finally got us alone and paying attention to anything that comes across our screen? What if God wants to use little old me and little old you to just say a little five or six words like Jonah, a message not of eloquence or length, but of power because it's God's Word, empowered by His Spirit. And He causes faith to spring out of hearts of everyone who came in contact with His message. Well, we won't know unless we use our voice and our platform to be like Jonah. To be like God commanded Jonah, go and tell this message. To be like God commanded Christ, go and tell this message. To be like God commands His followers everywhere, be ready and give this message of of ruin. There's danger in being far from God. But that leads us to the second message God wants us to give others. First, we need to know about the ruin, but we also need to be able to tell people about the rescue. There is a great joy in the message of rescue. Look at chapter 3, verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction He had threatened. I love that message of hope and rescue that God always gives. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. That theme and message of life and hope and rescue is repeated all through Scripture, beginning in the beginning with Adam and Eve when God rescued them all the way to us. God wants to rescue us. And God is such a gracious and loving God that He looks for the smallest excuse to cleanse our souls, to make us whole, to bring us peace with Him, change our hearts to be like Jesus Christ. Be givers instead of takers, making us prepared for heaven. John 3, 36, Jesus says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Jesus said again in John 6, For it is my Father's will that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him 
shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. Every Christian can be God's instrument for change by proclaiming one of those two messages. But don't think that the message of ruin is not as worthy as the message of rescue. Both are grace-filled, and you may not be able to give one without the other. So here's three things you can do. I want you to memorize, share, and post. Number one, memorize one of these passages. You'll never regret any extended giving, any extended time given to memorizing God's Word, says Pastor David Mathis. But you'll also be ready to give this message from these passages, these messages from God, when God instructs us to proclaim a message He's given you. Use one of these verses to memorize. You can write, write down the, the location, and you can go back and memorize them later. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, or Romans chapter 5, verse 8, or Romans 6.23. Here's 1 John 4.10. This is one you can memorize. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Romans 5.8 is similar. God showed His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, talks about the ruin, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's the rescue. Memorize one of these verses and let me know you've memorized it. Let's do it this way. If you have a social media account, post you or your family member saying one of those verses out loud from memory and I'll put your name into a hat to win a gift certificate for your entire family to eat at a restaurant here in Wilmington. You can use it to order the food and take it home, or you can wait for when we're allowed to go back and sit down and eat. And if you don't have a computer or you're not on social media, call my office phone and leave me a message. Give your name, tell me which verse you memorized, and then say it from memory, and I'll put your name into the drawing as well. So, to be entered into the drawing, you have to memorize one of those verses I gave. Let me know by the end of the day, Wednesday, April 8th, that you've memorized it, and anybody can play. You don't even have to be a member of our church uh, to memorize one of those verses and be entered into the giveaway. Uh, but I would recommend you live in Wilmington since that's the restaurant gift certificate I'll be using. So memorize one of those passages. Second, we need to uh, share that message. You know, the passage of Scripture that we memorize, we need to share it verbally, out loud, with at least one person, not in your social isolation bubble. So you're going to have to be creative here. To, to share the message of God, we need to know who God wants us to tell. So maybe He has somebody in mind for you to tell, like a family member or a friend. So pray and ask God to give you the name of someone you think needs to hear one of those memory verses, the message from the Lord. Then invite that person to go on a walk near you not a walk with you, you know, six feet away while you walk, and tell them you've been memorizing some scripture and ask if they would let you practice with them. Tell them your verse and then ask them this question. Where are you in your spiritual journey with Christ? Post the verse on social media. And that, this is the third thing to do. We memorize, we share, and now we post it. Post this verse on social media, media, the one that you memorized, and ask the same question. Where are you on your spiritual journey with Christ? And see if any conversations start. Maybe you ask this question too. What do you find most attractive about the person of Jesus Christ? Or maybe this question. What do you find the least attractive about the person of Jesus Christ? You know, we, we should do this. Because God will use 
His message along with His Spirit to awaken our souls to the Lord, just like He did in Nineveh. Some will hear, turn, and believe. God will use your planting and watering of the seeds of faith to produce life. The message of rescue that we have in Jesus is better than any other message that anyone will ever hear. It's better than a vaccine for the coronavirus because it has to do with eternal life, not just the life in this world. You know, the, one of the great awakenings, like starting with Evan Roberts in South Wales, could start in America again. When God's people experience revival in their own hearts, when we get humble before the Lord and allow Him to use us to be His instruments with a message. And this message can be either ruin or rescue, but it's God's message that brings change. You know, prior to our online services, we would most often close our worship hour with a time of communion and then a time of invitation and prayer. Today, I think we can do it the same way. So let's move into a time of communion now and respond to God's message of ruin and rescue that He gave us in Christ and participate in the bread and the cup. And then let's have a time of invitation and prayer. And I'll explain how those uh, times work online after we do communion. Get out your bread and hold it up and break it, saying, This is my body. Do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, This is a covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, as we take this bread and this cup, we're remembering this message of ruin and rescue. We have sinned against God. And we need his body sacrificed in our place on the cross. And we need His blood to cover over all of our sin to give us rescue. Whenever we take communion, we are remembering His sacrifice and we're remembering that He is going to come back again to rescue us. The last time that He comes back and rescues us, it will be forever. Allow me to pray for our communion and then eat the bread and take the cup. Lord, I thank you for the message of ruin and rescue we find even in the bread and the cup. And I ask that you would use that time to continually change and transform our character to be more like Christ. Allow us to remember his sacrifice because of the message of ruin over us. We are in so much danger if we don't have Christ rescuing us. And then allow us to remember the rescue part of the message in his sacrifice, that we are saved, we are no longer condemned, and that we have a new life found in Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Take just a moment, eat that bread, and drink of the cup, and then we'll move into our time of invitation and prayer. Just take just a moment. I'll wait patiently. You know, if you're hearing the message of ruin and rescue, maybe clearly for the first time today, and your heart is being stirred and awakened by God, don't push that feeling away, but embrace it. 
This is our time of invitation. If you'd like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and embrace that rescue, start the process by publicly making your intention known, either by posting in the online chat or by giving our church office a call. And we'll start you down your next best step to being rescued by Christ. We'll give you a call and we'll discuss how you can pray and repent, how you can confess verbally out loud in front of witnesses, and how you'll even be can even be buried into Jesus' Christ's death, burial, and resurrection in baptism. And we'll help you make the commitment to turn to Christ and be rescued. And if you have prayer requests and you'd like to be prayed over, do the same. Make a note in either the Facebook chat or on our webpage. Email us or call us, and we'll get our prayer team to start praying for you and over you. And I think we're going to need a lot more prayer in the next couple of weeks. So go on and start being in the habit online of asking for prayer requests. And then people will start responding and giving you that message of rescue that God wants us to give everybody, that He can save and He can heal and He will rescue us. Let me leave you with one last thought. This is chapter 4. After God rescued the people of Nineveh, and Jonah was mad about it. Jonah hated the idea that God would extend grace to them because he didn't really like the people of Nineveh. They were evil and cruel. And in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1, it says that the rescue that God gave the Ninevites was this. Uh, Jonah, to the, Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. Jonah chapter 4 ends with this question from God to Jonah. God caused this plant to grow over Jonah. It gave him shade, and Jonah liked it. Then he caused the plant to wither away, and Jonah didn't like it. And God says, hey, you know, you want grace for yourself, but you don't want to extend it to other people. And he ends with this question, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who can't tell their right hand from their left, and so many animals? See, God is concerned about people, even animals, and he is calling us to have that same compassion for the lost. Do you have that compassion for the lost? That's the question chapter 4 ends with, and it doesn't give the answer. Because we have to search out our own hearts and determine if we're going to be having the same compassion that God has for the lost and be willing to give them the message of either ruin or rescue. If this message has inspired you or encouraged you, we would love if you shared it with a friend. To help support ministries like this one, go to wcconline.org slash donate.